Hello, everybody. The first reading tonight is Psalm 69, verses 1 to 12. It's on page 524 of the Bibles. Psalm 69. Save me, God, for the water has risen to my neck. I have sunk in deep mud, and there is no footing. I have come into deep waters, and a flood sweeps over me. I am weary from my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes fail, looking for my God. Those who hate me without cause are more numerous than the hairs of my head. My deceitful enemies, who would destroy me, are powerful. Though I did not steal, I must repay. God, you know my foolishness, and my guilty acts are not hidden from you. Do not let those who put their hope in you be disgraced because of me. Lord God of hosts, do not let those who seek you be humiliated because of me, God of Israel. For I have endured insults because of you, and shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and a foreigner to my mother's sons, because zeal for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. I mourned and fasted, but it brought me insults. I wore sackcloth as my clothing, and I was a joke to them. Those who sit at the city gate talk about me, and drunkards make up songs about me. The second reading is from John chapter 15, verse 18, to chapter 16, verse 4. It's on page 995 of the Pew Bibles. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you, a slave is not greater than, its, than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But they will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not done the works among them that no one else has done, they would not have sin. Now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But this happened so that the statement written in their scripture might be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. You also will testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offending service to God, offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I've told you these things so that when their time comes, you may remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you. This is the word of the Lord.
hatred, persecution, potential death. Hi, I'm Tim. I'd like to welcome you to church this evening. I'll be speaking on hatred, persecution, potential death. I just want to publicly uh, thank the ministry team here uh, for, for giving me this topic. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Paul. Uh, I'd like to thank you, John, for recording it in the Bible. This is going to be fun, isn't it? Hatred, persecution, potential death. But, friends, this is a topic that we need to take seriously as Christians. Some of you may know the stats. Uh, In the last century alone, more Christians have died for their faith than all the other centuries combined. Those stats may shock you. More Christians have died for their faith than all the other centuries combined. Admittedly, a lot of this has happened not in the West. It's happened in the Eastern countries. However, we all know, isn't there, there's there's a shift that's starting to happen in the West. There's a shift that's taking place. Uh, uh, Books we all hear about in the the newspaper, the the God delusion, or or God is not great, or or the end of faith, are all preaching a gospel that religion is on the decline. But this shift is also due to the fact that of the recent sexual abuse scandals within the church. We ourselves as Christians are helping shift society's view of religion away from what it used to be. I was reading yesterday, actually, um, and uh, this Hollywood actor, his, his name is uh, Chris O'Downed. Uh, he's Irish. I can't do an Irish accent. Uh, but he was uh, quoted in a a recent uh, magazine article, a a GQ, which is a men's magazine, uh, one of those ones that you guys probably uh, don't look at, but um, it's in a men's magazine, and he, he says this. He says, and I quote him, For most of my life, I have been, Hey, I'm not into it, but I respect your right to believe whatever you want. But as time goes on, weirdly, I'm growing less liberal. I'm more like, no, religion is ruining the world. You guys need to stop. He goes on to say, there's going to be a turning point where it's going to be, that's religion, where it's going to be like racism. You know, You guys aren't allowed to say that crazy stuff. It's mad. You're making everybody go crazy. Now, these are words uh, from from Chris O'Down, Hollywood actor. I read them yesterday in the newspaper. Now, admittedly, these quotes don't represent the vast majority of people in society. Let's, Let's be upfront about that. But... For someone to so openly attack religion in a magazine, 
It signals that there is a shift taking place in our society against religion, particularly here in the West. So tonight, this passage is very relevant for us as we are here. Tonight, Jesus is getting us ready for what is to come. Tonight, we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at what Christians can expect. We're going to look at what underlies hatred and persecution of Christians. And finally, we'll end up looking at some things that will encourage us and some practical tips on how to handle, how to deal with persecution. So you guys with me? A few nods of the head? Yep. Okay, you guys are very responsive. It's great. All right, but before we get to the passage, before we get to the passage, you would have heard when Caroline read it that Jesus uses this phrase, the world, the world. He repeats it five times in in the first two sentences, so it's quite important. And before we read what Jesus says, I need to explain this to you so we have an understanding of it. Now, if you're like me and you spend a bit of time in church, or even if you've just been here for the last sort of couple of weeks, Uh, You would know when when Christians use the term the world, they're usually referring to all the people outside the church. They're always referring to the people outside the church. But Jesus doesn't use the term in this way. It may shock you. Jesus doesn't use the term in this way. Jesus knows that there are bad people inside the church. There's bad people inside the church, as we read about in the papers daily. And Jesus also knows that there are people who do very good things which benefit society that are outside the church. So Jesus doesn't use the term the world to talk about those inside the church as opposed to those outside the church. No, Jesus has a more nuanced view of the world. Jesus uses this term the world to refer to the whole system of belief and conduct in opposition to God. He uses the world to refer to systems, philosophies, organizations, and individuals who persecute Jesus and his followers. Now, at this point, I I want to make this point 100% clear so you don't mishear me. I, I, I don't believe that Jesus is saying in this passage that all non-Christians are persecutors of Christians. It can't be what Jesus is saying. Um, If you have the passage open at John chapter 15, please look at me at verse 18 and the the very first word. The very first word is, if. If the world hates you. Now, the, the key here is the word if. Now, I never thought I would get up and say this, but this is where it's really important to, to know the original languages um, because this if, it's, it's a word that's used to suggest that it's possible or probable that Christians uh, may be persecuted, but it doesn't mean that every non-Christian will do it. So Jesus is not saying, that all non-Christians persecute Jesus, uh, persecute Christians. 
he's using the word the world or the term the world to refer to those systems, those philosophies, those organizations or individuals who persecute Jesus and his followers. Okay, now that I've explained the world, uh, we can turn to the passage and um, my first point or Jesus' first point from this passage is expect persecution. Expect persecution. Jesus, in his final speech to his followers, has just told them how much he loves them. He's just called them to love one another. And then dramatically, he changes gear. He changes gear. Have a look at me with what he says in verse 18. He says, If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Remember the word I spoke to you. A slave is not greater than his master. They persecuted me. They will also persecute you. Jesus then goes on to explain in chapter 16, verse 2. Have a look at it with me. He says what this persecution, what this hatred will look like. He says they, he's referring to the Jews, they will ban you from the synagogues. It's a Jewish sort of church. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering service to God. His point is pretty clear, isn't it? The world, that is, those systems, those philosophies, those organizations and individuals who are against Jesus are going to hate us. They are going to hate us. They are going to persecute us. And potentially, they may want to kill us. But friends, we have to ask, why is Jesus telling the disciples this? Why is he telling them this? And the reason we need to ask this is because the persecution is actually not what he wants us to focus on. The persecution is not what he wants us to focus on. He says these things, and I'll show you in a second, he says these things to manage the disciples' expectations and to manage our expectations. Jesus is like a good lawyer. I know a lot of you will understand what I'm saying here. Jesus is like a good lawyer or or a good doctor. He's managing the client or the patient's expectations. Um, I was out for dinner the other night, and, and uh, one of the per- people I was out with uh, is a gynecologist. And uh, they, they uh, meet with the ladies from, the, from conception, basically all the way through to delivery uh, of a, a baby. I actually had to look up what a gynecologist was, uh, so I, I knew what it was, but uh, now I, I know. Um, interesting job. Uh, no more jokes. Uh, so um, she, she was saying that throughout that nine months, she 
tries to paint birth as the most excruciating, most painful, uh, I don't know any other word I can think of, but the, the worst possible case scenario, she paints that picture. And she does that for her patients out of love. She wants to manage their expectations so that when they actually get into the birthing suite, they're ready, they're prepared, they're, they know what's coming. She's managed their expectations. And, and this is what Jesus does for us here. He's managing our expectations. He's not going to say, it's all rosy, it's going to be easy, life's going to be fun. No, he, he tells you exactly what's going to happen. He does this out of love. Have a look with me at chapter 16, verse 1. Jesus says, I have told you these things to keep you from stumbling. Out of love, Jesus tells us these things. Why? You see in the verse, so that we don't stumble. He, he doesn't want us to be misinformed. Jesus doesn't want us to be caught off guard. Jesus is not like the dodgy door-to-door salesman who doesn't tell you that nasty clause that's hidden in the fine print. He's not like that. He's upfront. He's transparent. He tells you what is going to happen. He tells you as Christians, hatred, persecution, potential death is what's coming your way. Now, to be, to be honest with you, um, uh, when I found out I was preaching on this passage, uh, my first reaction was, oh, great. <laughs> oh, great. This is going to be fun. Um, thanks, Paul. Uh, thanks, Jesus. How the heck am I going to preach on this? We're not going to have a church after this. No one's going to be, want, want to be a Christian after they hear these words of Jesus. Why, why would anyone want to follow Jesus when, when this is what he's promising? Why? And I seriously, I had to ask myself that question over the last couple of weeks. I had to ask myself, why am I a Christian? But before we answer that question of why, why we're Christian, I, I want us to consider another question. I know in, in a group this size that there may be some people uh, who will be thinking, isn't Jesus the good guy? Isn't he, you know, the, the guy who healed people, who fed people, who, who did good things, who, who taught us to love one another? Isn't that who Jesus is? Why, why, if, he's, if he's done all those things, if he's a good guy, why are these people wanting to kill him? Why are these people wanting to persecute him? Why are people wanting to persecute his followers if they're, they're preaching a message of love similar to his? Well, well these, are, these, are, these are good questions. And I think they help us actually open up this passage to see what underlies this hatred, this persecution. And this is my second point, and this is Jesus' second point, is that the persecution 
of Jesus, the persecution of his followers, comes from ignorance, from fear, and this may surprise you, it comes from narrow-mindedness. Persecution comes from ignorance, fear, and narrow-mindedness. Point number two. I'll unpack each of those now. Have a look with me at what Jesus says in verse 21. But they, that is the Jews, will do all these things to you on account of my name, because they do not know the one who sent me. And again, have a look at verse 16, verse 3, chapter 16, verse 3. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. Jesus says, persecution comes because the people doing the persecution do not know God. They don't know him. That's why they persecute us. But the question we have to ask, and this is the question I had to ask myself, is, but the Jews, they were God's chosen people. They were God's chosen people. How come the Jews did not know who God was? How come they didn't know who Jesus was? Well, well, Jesus goes on to say that the Jews don't know God because they have dismissed the evidence pointing to God. Have a look with me at, the next, at, at verse 22 of chapter 15. Jesus says, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. Now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me also hates my father. If I had not come and done the works among them that no one else had done, they would not have sinned. Now they have seen and hated both me and my father. For the last three years, Jesus had been in Israel going around saying that he is God. He's been going around demonstrating, doing works, doing signs, doing miracles that back up that he is God. He's done works that nobody else has ever done. We've looked at them already. He's, he's fed 5,000 people. He's healed a sick girl. He's even raised a guy from the dead. But the Jews, the Jews continued to reject the evidence. And in rejecting the evidence, ironically, the Jews fulfilled what was written in their own scriptures. Did you guys pick that up during the reading? Look with me at verse 25. Jesus says, But this happened. What he's referring to is the rejection of him. But this happened so that the statement written in there, that is the Jews' scripture, might be fulfilled. They, that is the Jews, hated me for no reason. Now this, as it was read out to us in our Old Testament reading, was from Psalm 69, Psalm of David. Jesus is quoting this and saying that their rejection of him fulfills this scripture. 
that they hated Jesus for no reason. Okay, you guys can all take a breath now. That's all the hard theology, that's all the, the, start, the, the hard stuff written in the scriptures that, that we, we have to look at. The big breath out. Whew, oh, that was fun. Um, now, we get on to some more meaty stuff. <laughs> the question I find fascinating, the question I find fascinating is why did the Jews reject Jesus? when all the evidence seems to support his claims. I'll repeat that. Why did the Jews reject Jesus when all the evidence supports his claims? Or in other words, why were they so blind to the evidence? Well, at this point, uh, history is very helpful in answering this question. Uh, it's, it's great that uh, the Bible and history match up so perfectly and, and we know from history that at the time that Jesus came to earth, the Jews were under the occupation of the Romans. Now, now for a very nationalistic country like uh, Israel, being under occupation by someone else was the worst case scenario. It would probably be similar in Australia if we were, you know, invaded by another country. We, we would, you know, not be very happy. We'd hate, hate against it. Um, and so it's in this context that the cultural and religious leaders in Jerusalem were, were speaking of this coming Messiah. Now, the Jews knew that they had a, a, a saviour that had been promised to them that would restore everything. Uh, and in this uh, oppression that they were under by the Romans, the, the political leaders, the social leaders, and, and the religious leaders were all uh, saying that, that this saviour, this saviour would come he would come as a warrior, as a fighter, as, as a mighty leader, someone who would come and set them free from the oppressive rule of the Romans. They, 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 they weren't expecting a humble, uneducated carpenter from the middle of Whoopal. They weren't expecting a humble, uneducated carpenter from the middle of nowhere. The Jews had a very narrow idea of God. Their view of God had been shaped by their culture and their political situation. Now, I want to suggest... I want to suggest that the reason that they rejected Jesus and the reason that the Jews rejected the evidence that Jesus produced is because Jesus didn't fit their God box. Jesus didn't fit their picture of God. He wasn't what they were looking for. He wasn't what they wanted. And, and history records again, very helpful for us, that the Jewish leaders were fearful of the impact that Jesus would have on their teaching, on their culture, and on their power over the people. Now, the great theologian and Jedi master, Yoda, 
is very helpful at this point. I've been working on my Yoda voice all week, and I'm not going to show it to you, because <laughs> I apparently only have one, uh, one voice, and that's sort of Indian. So given the fact I'm half Indian, uh, that's okay. Uh, but I'm just going to read you what Yoda says. Uh, Yoda says, Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. And Jesus would say, Amen. Amen, Jesus would say. Now, when Star Wars and the Bible agree, they must be right. They must be right. There must be at least a kernel of truth when George Lucas and God come together in one mind. And so, friends, it's at this point. I I want us to consider our own position. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus here at the moment, I want to respectfully ask, why? Why don't you follow Jesus? Are you like the Jews? Is Jesus not what you want? Is he the person who will stop you from having the fun that you want to go out and have? Or do you not follow Jesus because Jesus, he doesn't fit your culturally formed idea of God. Or are you yet to consider what Jesus says about himself? If if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and you have looked into the words and you've looked into the works of Jesus, if you've weighed up the evidence, if you've formed a logical, reasoned, and informed view about Jesus, I want to say, well done. If you've done that hard work, and you still come to the conclusion that Jesus is not who he claimed to be, if you still come to the conclusion that Jesus is not God, I want to say, well done. Because at least you have a reason for not believing. And if you're a Christian and you haven't done that, I want to say, do it. Know why you believe what you believe. Don't just ignorantly believe things that your parents told you. Check it out for yourself. Do it. Wayne Dyer, uh, he's a non-Christian. Uh, he's a, a motivational speaker, a bit unlike me at the moment. And uh, he's also a self-help author, also unlike me at the moment. Uh, but he says something very helpful at this point. Wayne Dyer, he says, The highest form of ignorance is when you reject something 
you do not know anything about. The highest form of ignorance is when you reject something you do not know anything about. Now, if you want to make an informed decision about Jesus, this church is the best place you could possibly be. Tonight after the service, we've got a stack of biographies of Jesus' life. I I want to give you one so that you can take it away. It'll take you an hour or two to read about Jesus. I'll just give you one for free. Take you one or two hours over a coffee. Also, Dan mentioned the Next Steps card. We We run a course called Christianity Explored. It goes through the life of Jesus, an opportunity to ask any questions you have. That's for uh, someone who's searching. That's for someone who's a new Christian. That's for someone who's been a Christian their whole life but hasn't looked into the evidence for Jesus. Go do that course. Tick the next, next steps card, the box on the next steps card. All right. Whew, gee, it's quite hot up here, I'll be honest. Um, okay. Now, we're going to change gear a little bit more. And uh, I want to um, take a little bit of time to uh, help us, to help those who are either struggling with persecution or to help those who are at the moment freaking out about what Jesus has just said. I know that there'll be some sitting in the crowd who for the last 10 minutes haven't listened to what I've been saying. They're still thinking about what Jesus said. They'll be like, did you hear what he said? Hatred. Persecution. Potential death. Now, now when I read that, I, I was freaking out. You know, I was thinking, I, I want to be liked. This Christian thing, it doesn't sound like fun. Why why would I want to be a follower of Jesus if this is what is going to happen to me? So my third point, why why are we Christian? Why be a Christian? Now, I wish I had a bit more time. I just checked my watch. I wish I had a bit more time and I'd like to expand on this. But, But most weeks we expand on why we are Christians. So I just want to touch on on two things quickly. Um, The first is that Jesus has personally selected you. This is why you're a Christian. Jesus has personally selected you. Have a look with me at Jesus' words in chapter 15, verse 19. He says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world key verse, but I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Friends, the creator of the universe has personally selected you to be in relationship with him. He's personally selected you to show his love to the rest of the world. You have been personally chosen to be a mirror of Jesus. This is why you're a Christian. This is better, friends, than the queen picking you out of a random bunch of contestants to be her BFF. This is on a cosmic scale. 
Now, BFF, for those oldies here, uh, it's best friend forever, uh, if you don't know. Um, all right. Second reason why we should be a Christian. Now, this isn't an extensive list. This is just what's in the passage. There's many other reasons. The second reason why we're a Christian, why Jesus says that we should be Christians, is because the Spirit has opened our eyes so that we can see that Christianity is true. Have a look with me at John chapter 15, verse 26, where Jesus says, When the Counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Jesus, friends, Jesus sends the Spirit to testify about him. In other words, he sends the Spirit to convince us of the truth. Those who are Christians see the evidence for Jesus through the Spirit's lens. Now, I wish I had time here to expand on uh, the circumstantial evidence, the historical evidence, and the biblical evidence for Jesus. But, 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 but I don't. I, otherwise, we'll be here for hours. But if you want to talk to me about that evidence... Come and talk to me afterwards. Uh, for me, it was a key. Uh, I, for those of you who don't know, uh, I, I was a lawyer before I started uh, going to Bible college and working in this church. And, and circumstantial evidence for lawyers is, is key to sealing those cases. It, it explains the reason why something has happened. If you want to talk to me about that afterwards, please catch me over dinner. But now I want to turn to people who are experiencing persecution now. Friends, the persecution can come from many different places. It, it could come from our families. It could come from the people we work with. Uh, it, it, friends, could even come from our friends. Persecution can come from many different places. Now, Point four, Jesus offers us comfort and encouragement for those who are suffering persecution. The comfort is that, friends, you're not hated because of your personality or your looks or anything else. You're hated. You're persecuted because of Jesus have a look with me at verse 21, chapter 15. But they will do all these things. They will do the hatred, the persecution to you on account of my name. Do you see that at the end? They will do all these things on account of who? On account of Jesus' name. Friends, for, for me, this is liberating. It's, it's liberating because... I know when, when people don't talk to me, when, the, when they just brush me off, when, when they look at me like I'm stupid after I've told them that I'm working at a church. I, I know that they're not doing that because of a personality flaw or because I look funny or, or because of any other reason to do with me. I, I know that I get that response because they are persecuting me on account of Jesus' name. Now, now, with this said, friends, with this said, 
I, wanna, I, I do want to say something here because I think as Christians, sometimes we give people extra reasons to persecute us. You know, we can come across a bit arrogant. We can come across a bit proud. Uh, we can come across a bit lazy. But, but friends, I, I want to say we should not come across as proud, but come across as humble. Uh, we should not come across as lazy at work, but we should work as if we are working for the Lord. Friends, we should not give anyone any excuse other than the name of Jesus to persecute us. Secondly, as an encouragement for us, the encouragement is that Jesus has experienced the ultimate suffering in our place. Have a look with me at John chapter 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, understand that it hated me before it hated you. Friends, Jesus knows what you're going through. He went through the ultimate persecution. And it wasn't the whipping, it wasn't the crucifixion, it wasn't anything to do with what people said to him or what they did. It was when the wrath of God was poured out on him for our sin. That's what he took. That's the persecution that he went through for us. And he calls you and he calls me. He says, stand firm. 16 verse 1, stand firm. The reason I tell you these things is so you don't stumble. Stand firm, knowing that I have gone before you and that the Spirit is with you. Now finally, and very quickly, some practical tips for us as Christians of how to deal with persecution in the day-to-day lives, when we, when we face it, if we face it. And the first tip may surprise you. But Jesus calls us to love our enemies. Jesus calls us to love those people that hate us, that persecute us, that are wanting to kill us. Jesus goes further than this. He calls us to pray for those people, to pray for them. And friends, if you're in a situation where uh, someone is uh, sort of attacking you for your, 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 your belief, your Christian belief, uh, just think, remember how the Jews were. They attacked Jesus out of an uninformed position. They had quite a narrow view of, of what God was. And, and I've found that there are some very helpful ways of opening up a genuine conversation with a person if this situation arises. Now, now, one I've used, I've just shared share it with you briefly, um, where someone says, but aren't there many ways to God? How can you be so dogmatic to believe that there's one way to God? Um, I try to open up the conversation, have, a, have an understanding of where they're coming from by saying something like this. I say, yeah, I, I've heard that. I've heard many people say that to me before, but, but no one's actually been able to explain exactly how it works. How are there many ways to God? Um, can you please 
help me understand that because I actually genuinely want to know if there is, a, is, is, is another way. And I found the beauty of asking a question actually opens up a conversation where we can genuinely engage in understanding each other's position better. And friends, if you don't know what to say, if you don't think you have the right theological answer, please ask a question. Why do you believe that? Why are you saying that to me? How, how do you actually know that that's true? Can you please help me understand that better? I've heard that many times before. If you don't know the answer, ask a question. I said earlier that as Christians, we're to love our enemies and love those who persecute us. But this doesn't mean, friends, that we're just to grin and bear it. This doesn't mean that we're just to sit there and grin and bear it. If you're being harassed at work, if you're being harassed or persecuted, there are laws in this country that prevent that. And Scripture encourages you to actually stand up and and stand firm and, and don't take that because, friends, that's the loving thing to do. Because when that person stops persecuting you, They're just going to move on and start persecuting somebody else. It's the loving thing to do. Second last point. Friends, sign up for a persecuted church website. I signed up when I started doing this. I get weekly emails uh, telling me of different people around the world who are being persecuted. Uh, It was very helpful. It helped me uh, pray through what they were going through as I joined with my brothers and sisters who were let's be honest, are experiencing a lot more than we do. They're being locked up in jail. They're being kept away from their families. They're being killed for their faith. And what it's helped me is it's helped me to see my persecution in a much wider perspective. And finally, friends, we're to love each other here in the church. Jesus, just before he started this, In chapter 15, verse 17, look at what he says. This is what I command you. Love one another. Friends, Jesus knows that outside the church, life is tough. There's persecution. Persecution should not exist inside the church. If there are people who you have fractured relationships with or you don't get on well with, Please, fix that. We're to join together as a family to love each other. So friends, in conclusion, we're in a shift. Society is moving away from religion. In the years to come, being a Christian is going to get harder. Jesus has warned us. He's warned us of this. He's given us comfort. And he encourages us to stand firm with him. Amen? Amen. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you that to know Jesus is to have eternal life. And this is worth everything. We know, Lord, that this earth is passing away and that the acclaim of the world is nothing. We thank you for these words of loving warning from Jesus. We pray that they would foster holy courage and spiritual resolve in your people. We pray 
that your people will be filled with a vision of God and eyes fixed on your Son as we walk through this life until eternity with you. Amen.